Hello, it's Lee and Theresa Durrant here from Resource On Demand. And we're here with some Salesforce experts for our very first Salesforce roundtable, where we'll talk about the hot topic of COVID-19. Hi guys, thanks for, for joining us. It's, we're obviously humbled that you gave us your time and, and we're really grateful for that. So uh, thank you very much. Would you, I guess we'll pick one and we'll just go for some introductions if that's all right. So, so Vera, as your, as your top on our screen, do you like to introduce yourself first? Absolutely. So hi, Vera Loftus. I run the Capita Salesforce practice, but I've been in the ecosystem for, God, over a decade now. So yeah, many, many different forms, but um, always Salesforce focused. Thank you. And um, we've got Simon. Do you want to go ahead? Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, Simon Thompson, CEO and co-founder of Improved Apps. Um, I've been working around the Salesforce ecosystem for 13 years, since 2007. I worked at Salesforce for six, six, years, six of those years before uh, f- uh, founding Improved Apps, and uh, we're helping customers drive adoption of Salesforce. Lovely. Thank you. Oh. Jim, would you like to go next? Uh, sure. Yeah, Gemma Blessard. Um, I founded Ladies Be Architects uh, during my time at Blue Wolf when I was working with Vera. Um, recently broken away to start my own advisory pa- um, consultancy uh, business, um, focusing on architects. And I've been working with Salesforce for 12 years. Fantastic. And then we've got Toby. Hi there. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Toby Heath. I've recently been working at um, Heathrow. Um, Previous to that, it was Gatwick, and previous to that, it was a company called CETA, uh, who were based out in Geneva. I've been working in the Salesforce space, I guess, for about eight years now, uh, on and off, um, in different guises. Um, but yeah, that's, that's me, really. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. And last but not least, Penny and your Muppet, do you mind uh, introducing <laughs> yourself? <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys. Yeah, my colleague. Times are getting desperate for colleagues. Um, So I'm Penny. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Presedo. And um, like the other guys, I've been around doing Salesforce for ages, so about 12 or 13 years. And I've been a customer and uh, other consultancies and uh, ISVs. So a little bit of of most of the space. Fantastic. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, well, okay. Well, we'll just dive straight in. I I know I sent you some questions that we were curious about. And... uh, Obviously, I want to thank you all for doing this and thanks to Gemma as well for being there when the idea kind of hit us both. Um, we thought it'd be a good idea then to just go through some questions about how you're all handling the current situation and obviously what you think might happen in the future so that people can hopefully see some light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, the first point I think we'd like to cover, and I think I might start with, um, who should we start with, Gemma? Okay, well, actually, Gemma, because your, your situation is quite interesting. I mean, you're, all, all your situations are very unique. But how, how has the current COVID-19 situation affected you uh, in, in, in that you've just started a new business and all that sort of stuff? Uh, sure. Um, it's been interesting because the conversations I've been having um, have varied in that, in that regard. Um, so I started up the consultancy in October and was and start began the year full of optimism around you know come march we'll you know start building all our relationships we can go to world tour we can start getting the word out and everybody's going to be kicking off digital transformations and we know we're needed etc etc this you know nobody could have predicted this in any way at all um i think so it has been i'll be honest it has been tough um starting this business i the, the number one thing to do was to make sure there was enough work coming in so that i could live in this house 
um, for a start. And, you know, for the first time in several years, it has really hit me financially right where it hurts. Um, and it has created a sense of humility for sure. Um, I'm certainly shopping far less extravagantly and less frequently um, for a start. And I've become, I, I, I have, it's certainly taken, taken me back to basics. How do I start these relationships again? Um, and, and also how do I just start to address what's more, you know, re reevaluate and realign all my priorities? Um, so, so yeah, it's been tough. Um, and there've been lots of views around how we will bounce back, but mm -hmm. yeah. see. But yeah, find out the finance, not knowing where the next mortgage payment is coming from is, mm. is, is a very big and very real issue here for me. Yeah. And how have you sort of uh, embraced that from being in a point of view where before you were in a role where you probably got that job security yeah. to suddenly find yourself starting up a business where there is no security? Now how, how have you found that transition in general? It was something... <sighs> So for someone who kind of, for, for, uh, I'll start again. Um, in my situation, as you know, I've not had the easiest time over the last few years um, in, my pers in like my personal life and my health and, and so on. So I'm kind of used to my world being turned upside down, if that makes sense. Um, and so from so the way I react and respond to that is to, is to mobilize, is right. to think, what do I need to do now in order to to solve this problem? Being a consultant for 12 years, you get used to solving problems. So the immediate problems have been, how do I get the flywheel going? How do I um, make sure that I um, use the network of relationships that I have in order to try and create some, some more security? Um, so and, and I know that for, for other people, you know, can really it's really not people for six. Okay. Um, all of this situation for me, I just see it as another another fence I've got to jump over at the moment. And it's it's a higher fence than I've had previously. As yeah. weird as that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Having cancer was a breeze compared to this, because <laughs> I know that sounds dark and, and strange, but all I had to do was sit down and you know absorb some some nasty chemicals and the problem was 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 solved in that for me um but this you know i can't sit down and take drugs for this one i've got to... it's, that, it's that feeling that things are beyond your control isn't it because there's certain things you can control but this seems to be something that none of us have any idea of how long it's going to go on for what the outcome is going to be when things are going to return to normal again so it's that sense of losing control I guess so. And, and I suppose in this in this situation as well, my mentors are all over the place. They're all over the ecosystem. And I've got access to mentors um, that I that are very prepared to just jump on a call and share their experience with me. So that's something that I really value in this situation. And I'm not restricted as to where I can get those mentors from. I can get them at all yeah. levels, all countries, all business, all business backgrounds. So that's Good position to be in, isn't it? Really, it's good. It's good added. There's a good benefit to the Salesforce ecosystem, isn't it? Everyone's so giving. I think. Um, thanks for that, Gemma. Well, that's the same question, I guess. Then to um, to Simon, how, how has it been for you with it, being a CEO of your your own business there? Well, I think I think there's two angles on it from a personal level. First of all, got quite a few mouths to feed within our business and look after those individuals uh, first and foremost. 
I think on a personal level, you know, not getting out and about and meeting people like we normally do on a day by day basis, you know, definitely miss that. That excuse to get away from the children has gone, you know, they're constantly around us now. And uh, as much as I love them to bits, uh, they're always there when you don't, when you don't want them to be. You know. <laughs> um, so I think, on a, I think on a personal level, it's been more um, focusing on giving reassurance to our employees that, you know, the business is good. We've got a subscription model. Uh, our customers are happy. So making sure that, you know, they were reassured as well, because, you know, we have a variety of people working for us. And some of them were very worried about what was going to happen, you know, when all this furloughing thing was going on. Was it going to affect them? So I think, you know, going back to even January, it was we uh, well, I made a decision that people only needed to travel if they personally wanted to travel. So they were able to make that own judgment quite early on. And then moving through to March, we sort of made a real statement that, you know, we're fine as a business, you know, we carry on as we are. Things are going to change naturally, which we'll discuss more later. But, yeah, I think for me it was twofold, you know, a difference of the way my life is, not getting out and about as much as I normally do. And, and, and the most important thing was just making sure our employees were comfortable and, and knew that they were secure and, and safe. Because another part of that was, um, you know, making sure that even if they were going to be sick or off sick, that we were going to support them regardless, you know, full salary and keep, keep the business running. So that was very important to me to, to support our company that way. Right. Fantastic. And I mean, how have the, you know, the, the, the staff that have been working for you, I mean, how have they um, sort of been receptive to, towards that, you know, communicating uh, that out to them? Yeah, overall very good. I mean, we now have um, daily 15, 20 minutes, sometimes ends up being half an hour, catch-ups in the morning. We don't talk about business there. It's just purely just a catch-up, talk about things that are going on. It's very difficult to try and keep that positive, though, with everything yeah. that's in, in the news, you know. So, you know, and we have um, fun and games and quizzes on, on occasions when people want to step up and do that. So, yeah, it's, it's just working a little bit differently. You know, we are a, a software company that's used to working from home quite a lot anyway. So the, it's more the individuals that are out there that don't have family or on their own that need that extra support, you know, and uh, just trying to operate a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, we totally get that within our own business. We've got you know, <laughs> people that have got children, so they find it very easy to occupy themselves. And then you've got other people that literally just, you know, they're, they're, they're on their own and that's quite a scary prospect for them because they can't get out yeah, as much as they often would. So you have to. I suppose metaphorically, because we can't actually do it physically, put an arm around them and say it's, it's going to be okay. You know, we, we will get through this together. So we completely understand where you're coming from. And yeah. um, I'd probably like to ask Vera the same question, really, because yours is quite a unique situation that you've actually joined a company during the, you know, the, the lockdown. So how has that been for you? Yeah, well, it was interesting because I went on garden leave right before the lockdown. And so I had all of these ambitions, plans of being a lady who lunches. And I, <laughs> I think I had mapped out my whole four weeks. Um, and then all of a sudden I, I found out I was going to be stuck at home. <laughs> so that was my first kind of stark reality. Um, and then I started to get used to that. I'm like, oh, I'm quite productive. And I've done loads of organizing. And all of a sudden I remembered I have to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's been really interesting. I mean, onboarding in a world where you know you don't know anyone and you aren't meeting people in, in a lot of the same ways is it's quite a strange experience and I think it's probably taken me longer to understand the kind of organizational structures within Capita and how internally you know deals flow and how relationships work just because you don't really get to see it in action you know you you're meeting people but it's quite pointed conversations 
Um, so it means that you're really trying to gain the full picture on your own. Um, so that's been quite difficult. Um, and obviously, you know, my, my role is, is very different than I thought it was going to be a couple of weeks ago. I think prior to, to coming on board, I had this very ambitious business plan and we were going to, you know, build all of this pipeline and hire all of these folks. And, you know, within a year we were going to be, you know, a hundred people. And then all of a sudden you kind of come on day one and it's like, well, you know, people across the country are being laid off, you know, hiring freezes are happening and it takes on a completely different lens. Right. And so I've been kind of concentrating on how do I, how do I build a practice from nothing? You know, I, I'm, I'm the last person who's going to go and say, okay, but Salesforce is very important. I would like some investment while everyone else is panicking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how do you focus to, to determine the activities that I think are important that you can then build on top of. And I was quite lucky in that my first day in the job, because I was obviously quite nervous coming in as somebody brand new in, you know, in the middle of all of this. Um, and my mentor and, and the guy who, um, who actually hired me at, I, at um, Capita set me down and said, you know, don't be stressed. He's like, I know that you're going to be paranoid about, doing, you know, anything and everything to try to get exposure and try to get yourself out there. He said, just use this time actually to, to make sure that you carve out enough space for yourself to actually gain a skill. So he said, you know, you need to think about in, in all of this, when you come out of it, what will you have taught yourself? What will you have learned? You know, what will you have achieved outside of kind of your daily job? And he said, you know, I think that if we aren't doing that, we're missing something, right? If we're, if we're trying to fill the space in our day, uh, for the sake of being busy or being important, then you're really missing out on a massive opportunity. And and I thought that was a really good frame of mind to, to be looking at all of this with, because, you know, I do think people get panicked and, you know, especially in environments where people are being furloughed, you know, you, you want to be critical. Um, and I do think it does cause people to tend to book in more meetings, tend to book in more conversations. And, you know, I think, the perspective of being able to take a bit of a step back and say, you know, I am going to have a bit more time. I'm, I need to make sure that I can serve that time and that I do something productive either personally or professionally with that, you know, so I've got something to show at the end of this, I think is quite a, a good way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a really good point actually, because I mean, there's going to be so many companies out there, like you say, that, that they're going to hit that panic mode and fear set scene yeah. and they're going to be making themselves busy and all sorts of activities just to fill their day when actually yeah. are they the activities they should be spending their time on. So it's okay. a really, really good point. There. Certainly, we, you know, we yeah, might we, be guilty of that, might we? So it's, um, it's a good tip. And also the, you know, the opportunity to learn something, great tip, no matter what level you're at in the Salesforce space, I suppose, it's a good idea for people. Also for you as well, you were, you were at Blue Wolf for such a long time, weren't you? So yeah. you, it must be so weird not only to leave there but then to leave there in the middle of, of this yeah it was it it's quite strange because because of the timing of, of me leaving i didn't i didn't get leaving drinks and i didn't you know the whole kind of hoopla around <laughs> around oh, no. the place for that long it does it does seem very kind of anticlimactic in a bit of a strange way um not, not the same chinking <laughs> glasses over the internet is it no, no it's waiting for all the champagne to start arriving by mail that also hasn't happened so you know, I do need to give a match in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when everybody calms down. Um, but no, it's been really interesting for me too in the whole learning environment because running such a big team for such a long time, you know, I don't often t touch Salesforce anymore. And 
being one person, you know, trying to, to build a practice, it's actually forced me much more into the app and much more into the platform. And, you know, I am, I, I do feel like I'm reinvigorating my understanding of, you know, how Salesforce has grown over time and, and how it can best be leveraged. So in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm really grateful for that because I don't, I don't get to sit that close um, to either the customer or, you know, the systems that they're managing. So actually going back to basics a little bit, really. Yeah. Yeah. I realize I'm not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank, thanks, Vera. Um, Toby, before we lose you, because if you keep dipping in out there, maybe it looks good. Oh, he's gone. Um, can you hear us? I can hear you. Your situation again, unique, isn't it? So, so describe what it's been like for you, mate. Yeah, well, um, uh, last year on November the 15th, I, um, I thought it'd be a good idea to, to leave the sanctuary and security of um, Switzerland. So I'd been living there for 5,333 days. Oh, wow. Um, so I had my permit to, to reside there, and I thought life was going pretty well for me um, in terms of, you know, I'd, I'd done a... I'd been contracting at Gatwick um, for a couple of years and then secured a, a, a long-term contract at uh, Heathrow um, working on their expansion program uh, and running Salesforce for that. Um, so I, I made that decision on, in November and I think since then everything has gone, frankly, to the wall uh, <laughs> on a weekly basis. But, um, you know, that's what... <laughs> That's what defines us, isn't it? It's facing these uh, problems. It's facing the unknown, and it's it's how we as as humans and individuals deal with that. Um, um, so I, I think my my first problem this year was the fact to be to be absolutely blunt, the snow didn't arrive in January, so it was a pretty pretty average ski season, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and then, and then I came back after fortunately having a couple of weeks gear, which was lovely, which was great. Um, and then I came back to the appeal at the High Court against the government's decision for the uh, for the basis of um, the their transport policy across for the whole of the UK. So it wasn't specifically the end of expansion; it was um, consideration of the Paris Accord in that decision making, which hadn't been taken into account. So as a result of that, roughly, I mean, the expansion program was a huge planning exercise. There was about 2,000 people working on the program. And literally overnight, we were, we were given about a month's notice, so to speak. But uh, basically, everything was put on hold um, for what they thought would be uh, 18 months to two years. Now, the expansion program being privately funded and not publicly funded, that meant a lot of contractors, um, such as people from Turner and Townsend, CBRE, uh, all the big construction firms, um, everybody was benched, basically. Um, so that was, that was a bit of a shock, but I'd also been doing some work on, uh, in the commercial space for Salesforce with, at, um, at Heathrow. So they recently launched uh, a VIP booking, booking system. Um, so for all the royals, dignitaries, and so on and so forth. So I'd been involved in the commercial space, and I, I was offered, basically, a role to stay at Heathrow to continue but be more commercially focused rather than working on expansion, which was great. And then COVID-19 kicked in. And of course, that was that. Um, so 
I finished up there on the 31st of May. Um, I'd, I'd planned to have a couple of weeks holiday over Easter. So to me, I'm, I'm still in a little bit of holiday mode, if I'm being honest with you. It, it really hasn't, uh, other than not being paid, which is, you know, uh, that obviously has its own personal issues. But from a, from a work point of view, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on things that I can focus on from a, from a works perspective. So uh, training um, is, is one of those points that I'm, you know, desperate to, 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 to pick up on. And, um, uh, and it, it, it's very rare that you find time during your day-to-day work to, to, you know, sort out things, go through, um, you know, all the ad- personal administration, which frankly falls by the wayside normally in, in mm. our own lives. Um, so getting on top of that and, and just, just taking a little bit of downtime, to be honest. Um, you know, there's an element of, one could argue, there's an element of anxiety around how long it's going to last for. But, you know, it's, it's looking around Europe, um, how they're handling it and when, when um, you know, restrictions are being lifted. Um, so it's, I, I remain optimistic that in a, in a relatively, what I would call a short space of time, things will start return, returning to some semblance of normality, um, versus where we are today. Yeah. Hope so. Hope you're right, mate. Yeah. Thank you very much. And, and, and Penny, from your point of view, how, how's it, how's the current situation been for you? Oh, Penny, you've gone very quiet. Penny. Oh, Penny, you're muted. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. I was just going to say it was really interesting listening to everybody else because you've got a good range of, of different sorts of businesses and different sorts of experiences here. So for us, we're still a small business. There's 43 of us. Um, we don't have the benefit of that steady subscription income that maybe Simon Improved has. And obviously we're minuscule in scale compared to Capita, but we are a lot more established than say Gemma is. And, you know, we have multiple customers, um, unlike Toby. So we're, we're kind of a, a bit of a hybrid of all of the, the challenges um, and also opportunities that some of the others have got. So for us, I think our challenge is that pipeline has dried up very much. Um, I'm not sure if that's what everybody else is seeing. I can see Gemma nodding too. And I think Salesforce were an early mover in terms of going into the lockdown and really wanted to be ahead of the curve and doing the right thing. And I think perhaps especially across Europe that that impacts us as they are being kind of very respectful of the situation and being, you know, uh, very sensitive about how they try and build their business. And there's a knock on effect to everybody in the ecosystem from that, for sure. Um, we've got a lot of projects that are midway through. And that's great because we're still incredibly busy. But then as a couple of you have alluded to, and Teresa, you said this a couple of times, it's the not knowing how long it's going to go on for. So not knowing what that endpoint looks like means that kind of from a managing the business perspective, managing our cash flow, planning ahead, we have to be really risk averse. Um, and also that is quite scary, not knowing whether this is going to be a couple of months or six months or longer. And then that's where the impacts on all of us personally come in, in terms of what that means for our jobs and our incomes. So, you know, that's 
sort of manageable in the short term, but scary looking long term. And personally, there's pros and cons. I'm lucky enough that my daughter is nearly 17, so I don't have little kids tooling around the place. Uh, but suddenly being at home with her all the time is a bit of a shock. Um, <laughs> in the on the plus side, I'm supposed to be running the London Marathon this weekend. So the fact that I have till October to train is like a real <laughs> godsend because I would have struggled to drag myself around the marathon this weekend. But hopefully with now having until October that that'll be a real bonus for me and the being at home does mean I have got a bit more time to train so okay. yeah all in all a bit of a mix <laughs> it's good you'll find a plus in there though so I think yeah um, yeah I'm trying Teresa <laughs> the thing is I mean we, we live in a little village so we're, we're very fortunate it's very community orientated but we are a bit of a fitness freak couple anyway. We like to do lots of challenges, but there's so many more people out there that are actually kind of, in a way, getting to grips with nature in a way they've never got to grips with it before. And that's actually quite nice to see, isn't it? Um, yeah. you know, less traffic on the road. You can hear the birds singing for a change and stuff like that. It's actually, it's, it's nice. It's, it's lot. It's going out. I mean, you know, is she running and that things? So we, we know it's a lot of teenagers and, and sort of people you never see running around our village or running around our village all of a sudden. Now that they're, now they're being encouraged so to stay at home and play with their toys, they want to go out. <laughs> Is she doing yeah. that? Well, she's doing an apprenticeship herself for work. So she, um, the first couple of weeks, she's just asleep, you know. And but then since then, she's more the sunbathing type, probably oh. rather than the running around the park. <laughs> oh, well. So at the end of this, she's going to have an amazing <laughs> suntan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she's learning how to do her own nails, so she's going to have fab manicure and great tan. Yeah. Does that mean she's trying them out on you, though? <laughs> no, no, she's just been doing them on herself. Yes. <laughs> I'm not quite ready for that yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so if we, I mean, thank you all for sharing that. I mean, it's like quite a diverse sort of um, mix of what's going on at the moment, but I'm sure there will be many people out there that can really relate to what you've all been, like, been saying. Um, I suppose if we look at it from like the, your customers' point of view, I mean, what kind of challenges are they facing? So, I mean, what are you sort of... Um, what are things your customers have been saying to you? I mean, I don't know who wants to go first on this, but perhaps if I, I maybe if we come to you first, Penny, for a change. Okay, so I think that you know they're very, very dependent on what industry they're in. So um, obviously, some of our hospitality customers um, were were hit hard and hit very early by this, um, and there are there are pros and cons about that for them. So mostly, it's a really difficult time for them but it does at least give them some bandwidth to do projects that are much more difficult to do kind of in the running of normal business time we've got one customer who's doing um they're releasing a, a new uh, piece of work in salesforce around um, their billings and revenue recognition and actually doing that at a point in time where the volume of that those transactions is very low is a much lower risk time to release something like that so obviously it's not what they want oh, to have yeah. a few transactions but it does make it low risk to be going live with an, a new piece of work. Um, there are other customers who are kind of at the moment uh, totally unimpacted by this change. Maybe they deal with a lot of public sector, a lot of um, a subscription business, business to business for them. So 
but even they know that as the economy is hit pain is going to come it just yes. might be that that's a few months or a year away or somehow softened for them so different customers have got different challenges and similarly when it comes to coping with the practicalities of suddenly working mm. from home and that's where salesforce really really shines so for us we've, we've gone live with a couple of offerings um, so one is trailblazer as a service which is where we're providing somebody to work as part of the customer's salesforce team um, and that's been really successful. We've had some fantastic feedback from customers about that. And then the second thing has been specifically to retailers, which is some free work, particularly around the marketing cloud um, side of things. And definitely for us being quite strong in marketing cloud and Pardot, that's been um, used a lot uh, over the last few weeks. Fantastic. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag from customers. Yeah. yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, Gemma, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, if I had more customers, I'd be able to say. Uh, <laughs> on, on the few that you've been, you've been speaking to, <clears throat> what, what are the challenges? Uh, at the moment, my biggest challenge is nobody's buying. So, um, and obviously being so, so new, um, I am having a lot of top of the funnel activity going on at the moment. Um, it's not something I want to focus on. I want to focus on closing deals down really, but, um, I've had to accept that that's, that's, that's tough. Um, so I've been working on having a lot of conversations with, um, AEs, uh, potentially looking at opportunities for us to go and help because we want to be helpful. Yeah. Um, and we know that in the future we'll be remembered for being helpful mm. um, in, in more favorable times. Um, I suppose at the moment I do have one customer that's not affected at all, but then I'm affected by the end of their financial year. So I, you know, I, I'm not in a position to close that until their financial year starts. So, so yeah, it is tough. Um, at the moment um that's no? okay yeah well, what, what about you simon how have you found it across the customers again i think what's been said already really a variety of different situations i think i think the last few weeks have been you know companies looking forward to the dust settling a bit you know and, and clearly a lot of the executives i've been talking to and customers they've been regular if not daily you know critical meetings being held in terms of working out what they're going to be doing and or what they're going to be focusing on. Uh, there's definitely been a, a few customers here that are, that are looking at opportunities um, to use this time as an opportunity to get projects underway. I think to Penny's point, you know, get some things done that perhaps would have been kicked down the road, uh, kept getting kicked down the road otherwise. Um, so a bit of a mix really, but you know, we've been offering our product free of charge even to our existing customers. So we have quite a lot of customers that perhaps have only rolled out our product to a subset of users. Um, but the benefits are huge if, if they were to invest across all their users, but with Salesforce's support, which, is, which has been fantastic, we've been able to say, look, customers, you can have unlimited use of our products and we're not gonna, we're not gonna change that until we come out, out, out the other side of this uh, pandemic. So, you know, it's been nice for Salesforce to be able to support us as a product company to support our customers who are in a variety of different conditions at the moment, you know, but, you know, Gem, as Gemma's saying, you know, in terms of our prospecting and trying to talk to new customers, that's uh, all gone out the window now. We're, we're focusing our energy talking to other Salesforce partners and drawing more awareness of what we do because, you know, I think trying to look for, trying to sell in this mode and, and in this current climate 
um, has to be done completely different for how we how we did it before. You know, how we have to be very respectful of the situation the people we're trying to get to are in. You know, and they've got bigger bigger projects to work on at the moment. Yeah, okay. actually lends quite well to um, another question, but I appreciate Vera and and, um, um, and Toby. Sorry, you, you've not had a chance to answer this one. But do you have anything else to add to that, or did you want to come back on the the sort of the opportunities that we that, that some of the Salesforce partners and, and the ecosystem are giving to to customers, or did you have any anything else to put on the on, on the customers' issues and problems? No, I think they go hand in hand. I think, you know, our, from a partner perspective, our response is because of all the things that everyone has just mentioned. So I think I'm okay if we move on. Yeah, yeah. Toby? Yeah, no, I'm fine. I mean, we, I think we know what's happened to the aviation industry. And, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's not a lot I can say about that um, in, in terms of, uh, I think the problem that the aviation industry is going to have is, uh, as I see it, and having spoken to a number of colleagues, I suspect um, things like, uh, and this is just my opinion, I'll caveat that, things like the, the third runway, if it were to happen, I think that's been significantly kicked into touch now. Um, and, that, and that opens up sort of UK infrastructure planning and what that looks like over the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, I could see a consolidation of... Uh, local and regional airports and probably some of those closing as well um i mean gatwick's the you know one of the biggest single runway airports on the planet other than mumbai and Heathrow's one of the third or fourth biggest in the world and i i see it taking them quite some time to come back from this and and that has not significant knock-on not only for those airports but also all of those you know the ground handlers all the associated enterprises and organizations that that, that support um airports and, and and airlines as well and i think we've all read that in the in the paper yeah, don't don't realize how much just one sector suddenly has a knock-on effect around really correct yeah so i mean from my point of view i'd be looking to diversify out of necessarily staying in aviation and mm. and transport and, and travel and look at other areas um you know many skills are transferable but um i, I think it would be it would be a good idea to to, to look elsewhere with that respect can i can i add something mm, um, I was having a conversation with a colleague um, just before this call, actually, and we think that we, we were actually um, gazing into the crystal ball, thinking that um, there's a real advantage here as customers have had to start, have had to had to had to digitally transform in a very reactive way. Um, and despite that kind of baptism of fire that they've they've been experiencing in the last few weeks, we think that it will it's actually going to force people to see the value of remote working. Mm -hmm. And we would and actually, you look at the effect that that's had on our environment. You look at the the smog in London that how much that's gone down like in a few weeks, um, and the the number of focused and pointed conversations that people have i mean i have had virtual pub uh meetings with my friends and colleagues on a friday night mm -hmm. where we played games together and we've had more chance to talk and bond um over those calls as tiring as they are because you do get very tired being on meetings all the time mm. um you know you you actually kind of have more opportunity to talk and it's a lot less awkward in for some mm -hmm. people 
people. So I, I think we will see a return. We won't see a return to what it was like before. I think um, in in a in a hundred percent because I think that and I hope that more businesses will be open to embracing the benefits of remote working. Um, and, and and keeping and if you are face to face, making sure that those face to face meetings are more productive and, and valuable because they'll get into the into the ways of working that you that you have when you work remotely. Like I'm on a call for a meeting. I need to get this. Um, this this meeting has a specific purpose um, and we've all got to drop in an hour's time. So let's keep those conversations. Yeah purposeful and meaningful instead of just having meetings for meetings sake maybe people will become smarter with their meetings and therefore respect one another's time more and that will ultimately have a better effect on the environment we were thinking about this with our business because i'll be honest we, we were reluctant as um you know we're just a small recruitment company but we had people in in offices and um probably born out of my history i wanted to see them at their decks every day doing their jobs um but being forced to do this has made us realise that, well, I hate to say this a fortune, um, because we were lucky enough to get out of the offices, but and also actually quite enjoy this. And it, it potentially, moving forward, can open us up to a wider pool of talent, because instead of looking for what we're looking for in this narrow little space in Kent, we could open it out. Um, and if, if we're feeling like that, then how many other companies are feeling like that? And um, the world is more accessible. I mean, I have later meetings in the day. I, I, I'm not. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get up at nine. Um, I maybe start work at about ten thirty, but I'll I'll go right through until the evening because I've got to, I've got Americans to speak to, mm. so that aren't living here in the UK. Sorry, just on, just on that point, and going going back to Heathrow. I mean, um, with the expansion program, they. Um, with all those additional consultants and contractors coming into the the, the compass center, which is on you know the north side of the air, the airfield, um, they didn't have space. They didn't have desks for everybody, so they actively encouraged people to work from home anyway. Um, and I would normally only go into Heathrow maybe one day a week, or maybe one every two weeks. Uh, and in fact, this year I only went into Heathrow for two days between. January the 1st and the 31st of March. And actually, I think once you've overcome and you've had that face-to-face -face contact and people understand how you work and um, you as an individual, which you do, I think you do need to glean a little bit of that through face-to-face -face time. Um, once you've been through that, then there is no reason to be in an office. And I think a lot of people who are, are new to this are learning this very quickly that um, you can you can work from wherever doing whatever for in, in most instances obviously not everyone but uh, certainly I think in the world that we're in um, that's absolutely something that we can that it can be done okay I mean that, that that's a really good point I mean that you've both made there and perhaps we'll open this up a little bit more is that I mean there, there are some companies out there that possibly I mean I, I have to say thank you to Gemma because I was having a little bit of a, a mental breakdown when it all kicked off and we are absolutely positioned to work from home because not only we you know, face Salesforce people, but we actually use Salesforce as a system. And for a split second, it was like my brain shut off and I couldn't figure out how I could get people. It was all about to spend a fortune on VPN. And I said, I, what system do you use? And she goes, yeah. like, for. So I was like, you don't need VPN. Don't, <laughs> don't get your credit card out. Put it away. Put it away. But, but, but that was the problem. I mean, there's so many companies out there that... 
they won't actually accidentally set up to work from home. So what are the lessons that we could learn from this? You know, there, there's so many businesses out there that could save costs, um, could save the employees oodles amount of travel time every day. So that's a better work-life balance for them. Um, but how could those companies perhaps position themselves in the future so that if, God forbid, something like this globally happens again, they're in a much stronger position moving forward? Because it's, you know, it's a scary prospect for both the people working and for the business owners to think it could all crumble and there's not a thing they can do. So I suppose whoever wants to go first, maybe with that one. I'll take that one because I do think that that's everybody's biggest concern is not necessarily when this is going to end, which is obviously, you know, a major issue, but what if it happens again? And I think, you know, in terms of resilience, I think that's what companies are looking at um, and putting action plans in place to, to address some of the issues. And I think some of them are obviously massive, like connectivity, you know, which you couldn't have necessarily anticipated. Um, but some are quite simple, right? You know, I think a lot of the, the bigger companies are suffering from people not being productive at home because they couldn't get laptops out fast enough, yeah. you know, and things to Gemma's point about VPN and, and giving people the, the access that they need. You know, I think there's a lot of companies that are looking at bring your own device. You know, when we, when I got this, this very big laptop, which I have <laughs> from Gapita, <laughs> that was my first conversation is, you know, what, what is this and why can't I just use my own Mac? And the, uh, the IT guy actually said to me, he said, it's interesting. He said, because Capita does a lot of government work. And so we've got a lot of, you know, restrictions in terms of compliance and security. And he said, and we used to be very rigid with, you have to have our laptop, you have to be dialed into these VPNs at all times. And he's like, and actually this has made us realize that we can still have the level of security and compliance we need, but getting people up and running as quickly as possible circumvents some of that, you know, inclination to do it the way that you always have. And so I do think there's going to be companies that are looking at solving those problems, um, which are quite tactical and, and obviously big problems, right? How do I, you know, I've got a contact center that got people in an office, 50 people sitting at desks and banks and, you know, how do I make sure that systems like Salesforce help me, you know, transition that into a virtual world, even if I don't necessarily buy into the idea that everyone needs to work remote from now on, how do I make that transition seamlessly when it does happen? Um, so I, I think you'll see big transformation and I think you'll see small tactical solutions to, to help people react faster in these situations. Okay. Um, what about, sorry, what about some of you that already have a work from home? You know, I, I don't know, Penny, whether you have. Well, a I was going to say, Presido, you're very much in the office, you guys, aren't you, Presido? Yeah, um, so we've got quite a young team, particularly among the consultants. And uh, so time together, it's a rarity for us already. So people do do bits of working from home, but more often than not, it's that people are out on customer sites. So we're very rarely all together. But you can't beat being able to bounce ideas off somebody else. And I think that's one of the things that I've missed working from home and definitely something I know that other consultants miss when you're working on something, particularly in Salesforce. And either you're sort of scratching your head, figuring out the best way of doing it, or you're just stumped on, on actually something's not, not performing as you expect it to. And it's really nice just to be able to 
call someone else over and work on it together. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that we miss by not being together. But I also think there's huge opportunity for us coming out of this. I remember a colleague of mine in one of my earliest Salesforce jobs saying that Salesforce is super successful when business is booming because uh, organizations want to invest in their technology and want to be at, at the cutting edge. And then it's also really successful when the economy is in trouble, because at that point, uh, organizations have no choice but to look to switch to digital and to systems instead of their traditional ways of working. And I think that where for most of us, it's been kind of easy to make that switch to working from home. I know there are a lot of companies that have struggled where maybe their VPN has got capacity for 30% of their workforce to be at home at any one time. And suddenly when that's 100% of people, that's a real problem. And maybe they're on a different type of CRM and, and actually going through this and coming out the other end, they, I would imagine a lot of organizations, particularly in the private sector, will do a review of what worked well and not so well um, and look at maybe procuring new systems. So optimistically, we can hope that there might be a real good bounce for Salesforce projects on the back of this. Yeah, cool. Uh, and what about you, Simon? Did you have anything to add to that? I, mean, I don't know whether your team are quite remote or not, but yeah, I mean, very similar to what's been said. You know, we're used to working remotely. The, going to the office is normally a bit of a luxury, and you know, a chance to to you know interrupt people easier. I would say when you're in the office, but we, you know, because we've got a culture of working from home and using collaboration tools and and things like that, then you know those interrupts happen regularly anyway. So you know, it, it's encouraged for people to reach out and to ask for help at any point and and any of the team will jump on and and discuss a particular situation um so you know utilizing collaboration tools has been key but you know we we operate as a business where even before um you know this current situation where we're going in and advising customers how to drive adoption of salesforce how to make the user experience the best possible and how to help people uh, actually in the application where they want the help and guidance and access to training so all it's done for us is accelerate those conversations you know and, and help those businesses that aren't used to that environment aren't used to people you know being uh, remote um, help them understand that actually this the steps in order to get there aren't, aren't too many steps and if you just take it one step at a time and take advantage of the Salesforce tool for how good it is and if, if they can invest in an extra tool, then, of course, then we can make that even better. But at the end of the day, there are some simple things that customers can be doing to make a, a significant difference. And, and quite often, customers just can't see the wood for the trees on some, of that, on some of those steps. You know, So you know, we've been offering a lot of guidance along the last few weeks, just with even existing customers, how to just do things more effectively, more efficiently, um, and share experiences from other customers, other customers, what's been working with other customers, with some of the other customers. I was going to ask because um, Simon, you mentioned that you 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 have this sort of free offering in in this current period, and I think Penny, you mentioned that Procedo are doing this Trailblazer um, thing. Uh, do, you, do any of you know of any other um, sort of Salesforce initiatives where they're offering something kind of free or greatly reduced rate in this period? Um, it'd be great if you know of any. A lot of partners are doing things. The Salesforce have set up a COVID nineteen resource center page, uh, which is available from their Salesforce.com homepage. Uh, we're on that alongside, there must be 20 other 
um, ISVs and consulting partners that are on that COVID-19 page. So Salesforce has done their own initiative around that and they've selected certain partners to help customers. But we know there's a huge demand of customers and uh, sorry, ISVs and partners to try and get on there. So that's worth looking at the COVID-19 pages of Salesforce uh, to get some steer on those businesses that are offering extra things. Okay. Um, just, I mean, obviously, we, you know, technology plays a big part in um, when, when you suddenly have to change your whole way of working. So, you know, companies that are predominantly in the office to suddenly being outside the office. Um, when it comes to like the, the softer side of managing remote workers, such as actually managing the people themselves, I mean, do, do you guys have any you know, tidbits that you can share because there's still <clears> going to be lots of Salesforce customers out there that go, brilliant, I've got the technology, but how do I actually go physically about managing people remotely? So do you have any anything that you could share with us? Um, for me, I think that really depends on the type of organisation that you have. So um, I'm sure some of the others will feel the same way that with Salesforce, there's always that push and pull between controlling people and enabling people. Um, and I think that for managers who are maybe, I think somebody used the call center example earlier, who are used to being on site with people, that change to remote can challenge that balance. And I think that's a tough thing to, to get right. I mean, for us in our company, there are a, a couple of things that we've done. So, you know, we are quite a young company. Among my consultants, our average age is probably only 24 or 25. So we have a stand up at half past eight every morning that's on Zoom, where we all talk about what we're working on during in the day and if we need any help and then at half past five at night we do a, a similar session that's just for fun so we'll play some games we've been doing like the baby game so somebody collects all of our baby photos and then we all guess who the baby is and we've also done like um a couple of pranks as well so uh, we did one the other week where um, I got everybody to dial in early for our morning call and we all had Matt's face as the background so that oh, I saw it. In. we all yeah. ducked and it was just the sea of himself which of course he loved and so trying to kind of keep some fun and keep us like gelled as a team, especially because we also had two brand new starters. So a little bit like Vera's experience, it's a really tough time to join a company. So we've tried to enable them to, to feel part of things. So I guess I guess that's that's what to do to try and replicate what it is that you have in real life online rather than to try and change things to suddenly if you're a very trusting environment to become suspicious that's this is a really the wrong time to, to make those kind of changes you want to try and keep it the same as much as possible i, I would recommend yeah, okay. so Gemma, i'm sure i saw you doing something great <laughs> on linkedin as well because training and learning and collaborating i'm sure i saw you were doing something brilliant for folks um so this is more about a coping mechanism because uh, my little girl has just come home after five weeks of, of spent of being with her father um, we had agreed between us that it was best to kind of weather the storm that way because he was able to teach her during the day and I really wasn't in a position to do that. Um, something's happened, he must have got fed up or something <laughs> with me. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but in that time as a coping mechanism, being alone in a house with my cats, um, you know, to prevent myself from becoming a 100% cat lady. <laughs> 
but also in an attempt I, I actually saw people suffering on 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 i was i was on my local facebook page for my town and there were lots of people um who had been laid off um made unemployed and unable to really fill that space so um i i saw them suffering and decided that i wasn't gonna let them do that and that the nice the nice balance between you know helping them to emerge stronger on the other side versus you know me tearing my hair out because i'm sick of watching tiger king over and over again um would be to, to actually invest some of my time i give four hours a week now to uh, teach people salesforce from scratch so we're now in five in week five um it's very very informal and it's just going through trailhead uh, uh, as on in a guided way so that it's not just do this badge do this badge do this badge and you feel like you're on your own it's mm. let's do let's do custom fields and i had a customer that once came to me and said i want a checkbox that does this you know and then you start kind of getting them to think about you know yes it's easy to do but why are you doing it and you know how can you prevent failure and stuff so it's the kind of architect's view of how to learn salesforce from scratch um but actually think beyond the technology and think about what value you're giving at the same time. Okay, fantastic. Sounds really good. Yeah. It was actually one of the questions we were going to ask. And Our, our whole plan is out the window. You guys have just gone through <laughs> all these questions already. So um, <laughs> that's why I keep looking down. Did anyone else have any points on that though? Because there's some really good, good points there. I appreciate Simon, Vera, and Mark on that one yet. This is a really simple one. And this is coming obviously from somebody who's in a role where they don't know anyone. Um, but turning your camera on, uh -huh. you'd be surprised how many of these calls happen just over voice and not necessarily, you know, being able to see people. And, you know, I think um, someone made the point earlier, if you've already had established relationships, then it's fine because you kind of understand how people work and, and their tone and their demeanor. But I think especially in these times where there are a lot of people who are, you know, isolating by themselves, um, or don't have a lot of interaction, you know, outside of the calls that they have during their work day. I think it's, it makes such a difference to just turn, you know, the camera on, um, even if you are not, you know, ready to do so. <laughs> There's definitely been times where I, you know, ambitiously wake up early and decide that I'm going to do 17 things before I jump on a Zoom call. Uh, and I get on not necessarily pleased with what I see on the screen, but I do think it's important that, you know, we're making those connections. I suppose yeah. in your, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I think the important thing I've noticed is the acceptance of when people turn on the camera, it's, it's now okay to <clears throat> not be in a shirt, not look smart, or be in your child's bedroom when you're on the camera. Yeah. You know, children coming and going. Yeah. I'm hoping that's going to be something, to Vera's point, that's a lasting change, because I think it was frowned upon before if you were working from home and you, had the cam you, you didn't want to put the camera on because perhaps you might have been propped up on or using an ironing board as a desk or something or you might have had, you know. And I think I think that's something we see, you know, Vera, I absolutely see the same now. Standard practice now, turn on the camera and it encourages other people to turn on the camera too. And it doesn't matter what, what people are dressed like or what they're looking like or or how crazy pets or cats uh, or kids are doing. We had this chat yesterday, Simon, didn't we? Um, something you mentioned as well. It's about watching the even watching celebrities now doing things like this and um people like martin clunes was sitting there in his pjs yesterday being interviewed and um all these you know glamorous people that all of a sudden can't they haven't got the makeup artists and, and it's okay you know mm. hopefully that would be the new norm sorry Gemma. i think it brings us back to our humanity which is ultimately the most important thing that we have right and 
and actually I th there have been many times that I have felt and, 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 and certainly a lot of people who have experienced trauma in their lives um, can feel quite isolated as a result of that trauma because their perspective has been changed and now we're all experiencing this this international trauma right now um, you know I think that there are many days I wake up thankful for the fact that I am not ill anymore and I'm very grateful for that day in day out and then you see other people getting angry about such small things and you you know you just kind of think well at least you're alive nobody's died and things like sometimes I, I think that yes this is an awful time a national crisis ridiculous but out of every crisis if you look over the the centuries of history has come a renaissance and as part of that renaissance i would like to see our society treating one another more fairly being more forgiving of of one another and actually understanding the fact that you are a human that you do have other responsibilities that your work is not the only thing that you do you know your cats still need feeding <laughs> it's important yes. And there's this, this stoic sense of humour that has persisted throughout this crisis too. I mean, the memes that are coming out are just amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that group yeah. that you shared. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It does cheer me up. Yes. I, that's, uh, I'm on that subject, again, we're, we're going along a little bit, but do any of you have any um, little things that, that you've sort of reconnected with, reconnected with thanks to this, if you know what I mean, like being able to go outside and hear the birds singing because there's no cars on the roads, little things like that. Do any of you have any thoughts on that? Certainly been taking more phones, uh, phone calls in the garden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, for me, it, it would sound, I guess maybe it sounds a bit cheesy, but it's time with my daughter. I mean, she's going to turn 17 soon and she's never really been one for hanging out with me a lot. But um, uh, we've been playing board games and stuff like that because she can't go out with her friends and she's not working. So, yeah, we've had several evenings where we've either watched telly together or we've played Monopoly several times and Othello. And those are things that I could barely get her to do when she was a little girl, <laughs> let alone now. So having that time because, you know, especially as your children are older, you, you don't have that many years left when they're going to be at home with you. So it's a special thing and not something I'd imagined I was going to get. Like exactly like Gemma said, nobody saw this coming. So I would never have thought I'd have this time with her. And that's been really precious and an and unexpected joy from the that's thing. That's a nice way well, to go I, in. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that we personally have been phoning more people more often than we would have done before. I'm answering, I'm answering the phone to my mum and dad, you know, I never do that. So it's... Um, <laughs> They're going to hear that now. They, they, won't, they won't know to look, watch this, don't <laughs> And uh, Vera, you bought a dog, didn't you? Did you tell me you bought a puppy in the month of this? What? I did. We, uh, well, it's funny because we've been debating... We had a puppy, about a puppy, we had a dog about three years ago. Um, and since then we've been debating, you know, when are we going to get a dog? When's the right time between work and the kids and everything else? You know, it just never felt appropriate. And literally I remember, um, it was a couple days before lockdown and there were rumors that we were going to be stuck at home. And I called my husband and I said, I've decided we're getting a puppy. If we're going to do it, this is the time to do it. And it was a bit of an impulse purchase. I think when everyone else was panic buying toilet paper, I was out panic buying dogs. Because, yeah, we found her. I want to the little Andrix one, the little, which, which kind of dog is it? 
it's a she's a french bulldog oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we should have in yeah. in tribute uh, but no we found her and picked her up in 24 hours um and she's definitely she's kept us busy i think <laughs> When I, when I decided that, I was on garden leave, <laughs> which seemed like a great idea. And I've got all the time in the world. And then when I went back to work, it was like, okay, this is, you know, a little small alive thing that we have to now yeah. Yeah, keep, keep track of. It is funny because on some of the calls, you do hear like this dog running across the room. People are like, is that okay? I'm like, well, I think it is. Just one second. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice that people are actually going you need to go and sort that out yeah and what and people to you know to your point simon people i think are really understanding of life in this environment and i think you know everybody understands that we're all vulnerable um you know and there's a lot that i think you see people doing to make sure that you know from a leadership perspective that's coming down right you know um the calls that i'm on you know everyone's kids are in the background and no one's kind of sheltering you know anybody from that the the best i saw was that someone had put a um had built themselves this kind of makeshift tent in the garden as their new office (laughs) (laughs) when you see him he's got like tarps and things behind him i was like are you okay are you like self-isolating in like an army bunker or something he's like no he's like but he's like well, be honest, it's the first time in my life that I've realized I have too many kids and I just can't <laughs> escape them. So I've positioned myself in the garden the furthest away in, in hopes of getting some some work done. It's, it's bizarre, isn't it, how people can suddenly feel more human? Because let's face it, we all have personal lives, but for some reason that had to be hidden away when you're, yeah. you're on calls, business calls, whereas now we can actually just, I have a family, I have pets, I have perhaps an elderly parent that wants to walk into the room in the background and you know that's just the way life is yeah. um as so yeah cameras off at strategic times you're good we've all, <laughs> we've all seen it happen oh yeah, <laughs> yeah oh god yeah i've seen that one toby how are you mate have you, have you reconnected with some sort of hobby maybe or something that you had let yeah, go? No, I, I, I think that there's there's been a lot more conversation and chat um you know with with friends um, and, and I think, like yourself, Lee, mother f- tends to phone quite a lot. <laughs> she's done it all my life at inopportune op- moments um, during meetings and, and so on and so forth. But um, I, I now answer the calls. But that's one of the things that maybe should stop going forward when they come out <laughs> of this. But, um, yeah. No, um, <laughs> just keep her at arm's length. But... Um, <laughs> No, I, I, I connected with friends. I mean, as I said, I moved back, moved back from Switzerland, bought a house. So, you know, lost the job, you know, all those great things happen. But, you know, I'm fortunate that I do have a roof over my head. I do have, you know, the fact that I have nothing to sit on because I can't get a sofa and my mattress is on the floor. But um, it's, it's far better than lots of other people have. And there's an appreciation of that, you know, what you actually have in life. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, many, many moons ago, I was in the military. So I, I've seen things that, you know, it, it sort of rekindled or, you know, friendships from, from long time ago that, that I've reconnected with many people on that front uh, from the military, but also experiences of hardship and, seeing things that you know weren't necessarily what we're going through at the moment but it, it does bring to the fore um a lot more empathy um a lot more 
a lot more of the softer skills that probably I haven't recognised that I might have had many many moons ago. But um, um, but to, to pick on what, up on one point that was mentioned earlier, I think I think a lot of this is. And, and the way we're going to get through it, and certain companies are going to get through it far better than others, is is down to leadership and how people are still managing and still continuing with. Um, I'm going to use the term setting an example, and I don't necessarily mean that goes against the grain of many things that were said here in terms of uh, how people dress on calls. And, and, and I think there are different organizations operate in different ways. I think there are um, different approaches. Those boundaries have clearly all gone out the windows. Now, I don't have any experience of City Body Call other than, you know, this one and a, and a couple of others. But, um, you know, I did put a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> and I did have a shave. Um, but, but again, that, some of that comes down to just you as an individual as well. And I, I don't necessarily think, you know, I, there was no way I was going to come on a call and have the beard that I had on Sunday. You know, that's, that is my professional pride and, and that's not going to change through this. So, um, but lots of things I, I, I get and I see and, um, and, and I think that this will be part of the brave new world that we all face uh, going forward as well. Thank you. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I suppose a question, and this prob will probably be very relevant for you, Toby, um, given your situation at the moment. But if, if I ask the other guys here, what, what would be the best advice that you could give the people that would find themselves in this situation where maybe they're between jobs? How could they potentially position themselves so they you know, come back stronger and hopefully you know, set themselves up to... to Get get a job very quickly as soon as things start to move. Has anybody got any advice for, for perhaps people who are in that position at the moment who are probably concerned about what the future has in store for them? I don't know if anyone wants to take that. I think there's plenty of businesses that are still recruiting out there. You know, if yeah. you are between jobs, look about. You know, get your name out there. Get on LinkedIn. Have a look around. I see it day in, day out, even in the current climate, you know, maybe more so in our ecosystem. But, um, you know, in the Salesforce world, you know, business goes on, business will go on. There's a lot of companies that are looking beyond the current situation, as we've been discussing, uh, and people are recruiting. So I'd encourage people not let the current situation stop them looking for that next great job that they want to get. Okay, yeah. And I think we're really fortunate to be part of the Salesforce ecosystem because with Trailhead, you know, everybody has the opportunity to upskill and, you know, reskill. And it is such a, it's made for this, right? It's self-paced. It's at home. You know, there's no, there's no setup. It's almost like a Joe Wicks um, workout, you know, <laughs> no equipment. No um, but I do think that people should take advantage of really, you know, certifications, badges. Um, Salesforce is so great at giving us a forum, A, for people like Gemma to help, folks out and get practical experience in all of this, but also recognition, right? You know, you want a to learn new skills, but also you want to feel like you're a part of something in that environment. And I think that, you know, trailheads exactly what people should be looking at um, to do both those things. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I mean, for me, my heart goes out to anybody who's in that situation right now, because it's great to hear <laughs> that optimism from Simon, but I think, 
you know, recruitment definitely has flatlined in general, uh, you know, and maybe Salesforce is slightly protected from that. But when you look at all of the businesses that just aren't operating at all, you know, Primark said they've gone from doing 730 million a month to zero. Right? So that, that them and all their supply chain are then companies that probably just aren't hiring. And when you magnify that by the number of businesses impacted I think it is a really tough and probably quite a frightening time to be without a job and I think if that was me I would be um, trying to rewrite my CV I would be walking into the supermarkets trying to get a job as many hours as I can get I would be looking at whether I can get a driving job from you know Ocado or Amazon or somebody and I think for anyone who's in that situation don't be boxed in by what you know and what you do you can easily turn your hand to doing different things and what you do as a stopgap to get through a difficult few months doesn't necessarily impact your future career if we fast forward to six or nine months and i'm looking to hire a senior salesforce consultant the fact that somebody spent four or five months working in tesco's during this time is not going to inhibit my desire to hire them in fact quite the opposite mm -hmm. so for anybody who's in that situation at the moment don't let that demoralize you i'd say but I think some of the other points, so for people who have the luxury of not having to do that, then I think training, developing, broadening their skills is really important. And there's a lot online that's great right now. And I think Salesforce certifications and Trailhead is important. My one tip would be if you're going to book a certification that even the online ones are really fully booked right now, you're going to need to book uh, probably an exam like middle or end of May because they're mm -hmm. so busy. So be aware of that. But then don't just think about certs either. There's lots of great agile courses. There's project management certifications. And definitely when I'm looking to hire people, I want to know that they can talk to customers, understand the organizations and have that broad range of skills, not just the Salesforce certs. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it, it is a tough time and uh, I hope we just have to hope that we get through this. And those of us running small businesses certainly want us to get through this as soon as we can. Thanks, Penny. That's great. Yeah. What, was you going to say something, Gemma? Uh, I think I, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> Penny, but Penny, actually, um, I, I find what Penny said quite inspiring. Um, and the same with, with Vera, too, because um, around because you're right, it is a great time to to reflect and um, and to invest time in ourselves. Um, if we can't, especially that we can't invest a lot of time in our business, um, business development, etc. at the moment. Um, so have it so actually you know that got me thinking around um around um around the mindset of employers as well and 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 how employers at this time could um consider could can consider the the resilience and the and the um the, the get up and go that candidates have going forward um because of the crisis so i think that's really important um <laughs> Yeah, yeah nice. thank you. I mean, they're, they're all you know very good comments, and I think there's a, I suppose, a thing there really is it's just making the best use of the time <clears> that we have rather than sort of sitting there and sort of feeling sorry for ourselves. Which I know there are people out there that probably would do that. Whereas actually, if you're remaining proactive in what you're spending your time on, then 
that's going to be recognised by a future employer moving forward, mm -hmm. that you've spent that time wisely rather than perhaps just sunbathing in the garden. And I suppose you're using, <laughs> using your network as well, um, you know, and, and actually overcoming your own, getting over yourself um in order to do that there's a couple of uh, a mentor said to me recently you should you should tap up this person i'm like i don't think i should i think that's um i think i think because then it looks like i'm asking for too much and he was just like okay when you get over that can you call me back <laughs> and this is this is from the lady that emailed mark benioff that definitely very rightly didn't you uh i might have done ages ago <laughs> yeah right and you got a response there, didn't you yeah i did yeah um around, around the business actually around I, I i actually said um i'm thinking of starting a business i figured if um if anyone would know like be able to give me tips it would be someone who's started a business themselves i hear you started a business if you got <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean they do say the biggest accomplishment comes from when you take yourself outside your comfort zone so you know it's a prime example there that you have to go and do something that often is not your most comfortable thing but once you've done it actually you realize that what you've gained from that experience is far outweighs the, the minuscule feeling you had at the beginning even if they say no you know someone eventually will say yes so yeah. you don't ask you don't get mm, yeah, exactly. absolutely. fantastic so to end on a, on a high then i guess and i think we probably covered it already but if anyone's got any finals little tips of what they think perhaps future of Salesforce might look like after after we're through this. Um, I know it wasn't a question I asked, I don't think, but we might have already touched on it, but does anyone have any sort of final thoughts on, on where we might be in six or 12 months as an ecosystem in the UK or, or, or further than that? We were uh, having being super, oh, go on, oh. go ahead. <laughs> we were having a conversation before, um, I was having a conversation with a contact of mine um and he was saying that he thinks that given the the very very quick digital reactive digital transformations that are going on if anything business continuity planning is going to become a priority um once people are back on their feet and that um, digital transformations themselves will boom and i think given the the ecosystem that we work in that is also going to provide a great deal of of um, opportunity for us um and our, our renaissance if you like okay thank you okay sorry penny you were going to say something though? oh yeah i was going to say i agree i agree with Gemma. i think that um are coming out of this making the business case to invest in moving to the cloud in digital transformation becomes a no-brainer right for the next probably five years or longer people will remember this and it becomes a great reason to do something different and being super optimistic let's hope maybe we've had a really quiet march and april usually july and august are very quiet maybe they won't be you know maybe the business that we would have been doing now we're going to do in july and august and we'll pick up and we'll end the year on a high and that's that's my optimism for this year and then long term i think there's some reasons to be optimistic one small thing that i know lee you and i were talking about the other day is that i wonder whether customers especially with the ir35 thing being pushed back for a year um, so not companies like us doing Salesforce projects and transformations, but whether the end customers might be more inclined to take um, contractors on over the short term rather than add to headcount just because, you know, it, it is going to be a bumpy ride coming out of this. And for some of them, they might not want to take the risk of full time employees. So I, I think we might see an increase in in-house contractors 
but that I think in general Salesforce is going to grow a lot and you know it should be a really good time for us coming out of this I, I hope. Yeah fantastic. Thank right, you. Yeah. Um, Simon, Vera, did you have anything to add there? Toby, well. Toby, yeah, I'm sorry, I wasn't. <laughs> I think the only thing I'd add is I think we're probably a good few weeks away from businesses generally being in a steadier state for them to be able to really have any comfort of what the next few months are going to be like. You know, I think, yes, I'm very optimistic about things, but then I find ourselves in a world where we support remote workers and the demand has gone absolutely crazy for us from partners mainly reaching out to us saying customers are asking how to support remote workers. So for me, it's, it's about growth over the next two, three months, but I'm, I'm going to be very steady with it in terms of how we do that and how we recruit people. I historically love recruiting people who have got no previous Salesforce experience at all. In fact, our top two salespeople, uh, one used to be a British superbike rider and the other one um, used to work in insurance, you know, and they're our top salespeople. So for me, I'm always looking for people who've got the right attitude and, and uh, um, abilities and, and probably desires and passion to do something differently. So, you know, I think, I, 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 think, I think we're a couple of months out really before we, we'll know what the end of the end looks like if if it's going to be there and i don't want that to sound like doom and gloom but it's uh, it's a mixed bag out there at the moment with everyone i talk to okay, yeah thank you uh or toby did you have anything to add yeah i think you know i agree i think we will see a bounce in the salesforce market for sure i think you know transformation projects will be to penny's point front and center in people's mindset um both for business continuity and and resilience planning and i think simon's right i think the workforce will change. Um, and I think people will be more open to, you know, recruiting in different ways, looking at remote workers, flexible workers. I think you'll see, you know, a bigger focus on veterans and moms and, you know, the workforces that we were trying to get back into the Salesforce ecosystems that were really just in their infancy in terms of programs to help them do that. I think all of that will grow exponentially um, on the back of this, I hope. Yeah, no, I, I just reiterate, I think, whatever everybody else has said. I think the point about um, IR35, I think, is a very good one. Um, I think with that being pushed back by a year, um, that does open up lots of flexibility in the, in the, in the recruitment. And, and me, you and I have had discussions about that and, and different approaches that, that, you know, as somebody providing services, you, you can offer your... You can, you know, offer your services in a, in a different way than you maybe would historically have done. So I think that's all uh, definitely positive. With, with respect to Salesforce, I mean, speaking to some people at Salesforce, they, um, it seems to me like there, there are clearly some significant winners in where we are at the moment who, who are, you know, big users, you know, different segments of uh, industry who are, clearly leveraging the demand that we're seeing um, that we haven't seen before, like online retail, um, you know, and, and I, I think with all of this, there will be some, uh, a lot of companies that fall by the wayside because they haven't been able to adapt as quickly. They haven't been able to change. They haven't been able to empower people. They haven't been able to, to take some of these significant strategic decisions in a very short time scale. Um, Primark is a great example, you know, whereas there, there are loads of organizations who have gone 100% online and still delivering and still getting things outside the, out the door. 
um, delivery companies, they will be going through the roof. We all know what's happened with Amazon and their share price in the last three or four months. So, uh, you know, um, I think things, things will definitely change um, uh, to reiterate what, what everybody else has said. But I think going forward, there will be some significant areas where Salesforce can certainly support different areas where they've probably been a bit static and a bit stagnant historically as well. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks very much, guys. Unless anyone has anything else to say, I appreciate we've taken up an hour and a half of your time. Well, that's gone quick. Um, so obviously, thanks very much to all of you for, for contributing and um, we'll, um, we'll, we'll get this out there for you and hopefully the, the wider Salesforce ecosystem will really appreciate it as well. Um, so thanks, thanks very much for joining us, guys. And um, Yeah, well, just all unique experiences there. And I think it, there's going to be so many people that are going to take um, something from what you guys have said. Uh, so thank you very much. It's, uh, I'm sure it's going to be inspiring for a lot of people out there. Yeah, same here. Everybody who's on the call has said something inspiring as well that I can take away. So thank you for that. Thanks. Brilliant. Okay, thanks very much then, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks a lot. Bye. 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 So our thanks to Penny, Vera, Gemma, Toby and Simon there for their thoughts on how COVID-19 is affecting them as individuals and as businesses in the Southwest ecosystem. Yes, and there were very uh, interesting comments there and some things uh, that hopefully might inspire some of you. So uh, please feel free to share and like this video. And uh, if you would like to take part in a future roundtable, then please get in contact. Bye. Thanks, guys.